Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast. I am your host, Jim, joined as always by your other host, Chuck. And we are back to our normal intro because it's not an Obi-Wan episode. And uh, Chuck, I mean, I would like you to get your passport ready, whether it's a Lego passport or a real passport, because we're going to be traveling all around the continental United States, a little bit outside the continental United States, and then we're going to Russia because we're going to be in Hawkins, Indiana. (laughs) We're going to be in California. We're going to be in um, Destination Unknown. We're going to be in Salt Lake City, Nome, Alaska, and Russia. We have a lot of places to cover because this is our Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1 review. Not to mention, I don't know if they take passports or what their COVID status is in the Upside Down. But we're going there too because we spent a lot of time there. We're going to break down all seven episodes which totaled out to be maybe 11 hours of content for seven episodes. It was a very ambitious season. Um, We're going to spoil it. We're going to give our theories. And at the end, we're going to talk about a top three of a certain actress who plays a a major part in this series. But before we get into that, I have three picks of the week. And surprisingly, Chuck, it's of a comic book company that we kind of moved away from this year, and we started moving more into the Marvel Universe. This is all week. My picks are from DC. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, significantly surprised when I was going through it, because haven't suggested a DC comic in quite some time. So here are three of them. The first one is called Aquaman Andromeda. It's a black label uh, comic, so it's about $7. Black label stuff is usually more adult geared. Um, it's been pretty good. The Black Label stuff, as of you know, right now, it's been pretty good. I know Suicide Blaze was great. Get Joker was really good. But Aquaman Andromeda starts with, Deep in the Pacific Ocean, at the farthest possible distance from any land, since, uh, sits Point Nemo, the spaceship graveyard. Since the dawn of the space race, the nations of the world have sent their crafts there on splashdown to sink beneath the silent seas. But there is something else at Point Nemo, a structure never made by man, and that structure seems to be waking up. The crew of an experimental submarine Andromeda, powered by a mysterious black hole drive, have been chosen to investigate this mystery. But they aren't the only ones pursuing it. Anything of value beneath the oceans is of value to the master pirate Black Manta, and anything that attracts Black Manta attracts Arthur Curry his lifelong foe, the Aquaman. I love how they, like, remind you who <laughs> what who the is. hero is. Like, just in case you didn't know who Aquaman is, his name is Arthur Curry. But heaven help them all when the doors of the mystery at Point Nemo swing wide open to admit them. Bringing a bracing cosmic horror sensi- sensibility to the world of Aquaman, rising superstars Ram V from Venom and Swamp Thing and Christian Ward from Thor and Invisible Kingdom team up to put Arthur Curry through an exercise of psychological terror that could break the will of even a king. Based off of that, you going to pick it up? I don't know. Aquaman and cosmic horror doesn't really seem like it fits yeah it's it's definitely a weird yeah breakdown for for an aquaman comic i love aquaman i love his comics i know at times they can be really cliched and cheesy but um i'm picking this one up just because it kind of gives me like early quarter of the owl vibes because like that psychological like i like to watch like people go through psychological problems in via print not in person because i'm not a, a sadist but I feel like this is giving me like underwater cosmic quarter of the owl vibes. So I'm going to check it out. Um, I'll report back next week on that one to see where we are, we're at. And I'll probably text you tonight after I read it. Uh, the next one is Poison Ivy. Um, and Poison Ivy, I don't think, has had an ongoing series in quite some time. So this one's a big one. Um, Pamela Isley has been a lot of things in her life. A living god, a supervillain, an activist, a scientist, and dead. In a new body that she didn't ask for, and with a renewed sense of purpose, Ivy leaves Gotham and sets out to complete her greatest work, a gift that 
a gift to the world that will heal the damage dealt to it by by ending humanity. Spinning out of the pages of Batman, DC is proud to present the unbelievable next chapter in Poison Ivy's life by the incredible creative team of G. Willow Wilson, who you may know from Miss Marvel, uh, who... Mm-hmm you know just dropped their first episode this week and we'll be talking about that next week um and marcio takara and featuring a stunning cast of variant cover artists including warren Liu, frank cho dan mora nick robles and introducing main cover artist jessica fong the cover to this first book is pretty dope it's got ivy eating a human piece of flesh um, oh, that yeah uh... it, it, it's some dark shit and I'm here for it. Um, I I picked it up. I've, I've already picked up my books, so I've picked that one up as well. Um, I'm very excited for that one, and I'm also very excited for this one. And it's called Dark Crisis, and it wouldn't be DC without another crisis, right? We've got Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis, and now the Dark Crisis. Um, the epic event years in the making is finally here. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the rest of the Justice League are dead. R.I.P. The remaining heroes are left to protect the world from an onslaught of violent attacks by DC's greatest villains. Can the legacy heroes step out of the shadows of the classic heroes to form a new Justice League? And will that be enough to stop a darkness greater than anything they've ever faced from destroying everything? Do not miss out on the first issue of the blockbuster event this summer. And also, it's only a 1 in 7 miniseries, which is cool. I like the little mini series. Yeah, because they're not like you don't have to dedicate you know years or months at you know out of your life, and it's easy to remember seven. Like you know when you have a an ongoing issue that's thirty issues, and it recalls something from the first or second issue, you're like, I don't remember that. I mean, sometimes like a twelve issue ongoing series is a little <laughs> rough for me. Like I'm reading Batman and Catwoman by Tom King, and it's great, mm-hmm. but it's Christmas themed. And it's June, and I'm getting well, books, and I'm like, like it's all Christmas themed. I'm like, what the fuck am I reading? Well, look at uh, what was it? Uh, Doomsday Clock. Yeah, that was. It was twelve issues, and it took like three years. Yeah, I, it felt like three years reading it. And speaking of three years, we're gonna enter uh, spoiler territory because it's been three years since we've seen the kids and the adults of Hawkins, Indiana, and um, we finally got the first half of the second to last season of Stranger Things. And I'm very excited to talk about this. I watched it in one day. I like went full veggie mode and just like laid on my bed on Memorial Day and just watched all of Stranger Things from like 12 to 9. And I didn't move until the Grubhub guy just dropped the stuff off at my fo- uh, at my door. So <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about this. But I will warn the people who have not watched this or have not finished this, that we are going to spoil this. We're going to talk in detail about this latest season. The first seven episodes, we get the next two, uh, July 1st. They're saying the next two episodes have the most FX uh, in Stranger Things history. They also said that each of these episodes was over $30 million to make. And they finally came out and said that, you know, Netflix is trying to go episodic with certain things in the coming years. They said that season five is not going to be episodic. It's going to be one lump sum, if not, you know, broken into parts like uh, like this one was. But I like to really just kind of start with the storylines that we've seen thus far. And I've said that, you know, we're going to a bunch of places because there are a lot of storylines. But to me... I really enjoyed the storylines this season, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And I, I know a lot of people felt it was too much, but to me, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely liked that they explored more of the people in Hawkins. We got to see the basketball team. We got to see more of the town people. We got to see the new sheriff and that corny deputy that he has. But they also gave the other storylines supporting characters and enemies. Even in Russia, we've got the supporting characters and the enemies. Uh, California, we met Argyle, who may be one of the (laughs) best human beings in the world. We met Susie's tribe. Um, We met a lot of characters. That was super weird. Yeah, that might have been my least favorite part of the season so far. I think it was like 
too campy, but I mean, it served its purpose. It, it needed to be what it needed to be. Um, and I like that they're also playing on the satanic panic scares of the 80s. You know, we had a lot of that going on in the 80s. Dungeons and Dragons is going to, you know, it's going to kill your kids, like the main premise of the show. But then there was like the Memphis Three, where everybody thought there were cults killing people. And then you went into the 90s and early 2000s with like Marilyn Manson is causing things and Eminem is bad for people and, you know, all this stuff. And I like that they really played off of that. But I also like that they're expanding the universe and spending more time in the upside down because that was to this point the biggest mystery the biggest you know what what is this we've seen like bits and pieces of it dark gloomy looks like hawkins you know barb's got slugs in her mouth like we've seen all that stuff but we really haven't explored like the beasts that are in there and like are there beasts in there like who's in control of it like at first we thought it was the mind flayer now we've got this godlike character named vecna um, and his whole backstory I thought was very cool. Overall, I think there were like 27 storylines, and we'll talk about it. But what did you think of the storylines of this season so far? I really liked it. The one thing that, like, you know, I'll, I mean, this isn't Game of Thrones-esque, but, like, Game of Thrones had a lot of storylines. And in Game of Thrones, I was lost in a lot of stuff because it just seems like, yeah, there was a lot of storylines, but, but I couldn't keep up to where yeah. this – there was a lot of storylines, and it was easy to put together and keep up. It wasn't jumbled. It wasn't all over the place. Like I mean, literally, it was all over the place. But like, it wasn't hard to keep track of what was going on. Yeah, and I, I think that the cool thing about this, and I hope you agree with it, is that they really gave every character that is important to the story enough screen time. Like, Jonathan was in it just enough, right? Argyle and that crew. Like, if you think about storylines, we have, like, the core Hawkins kids, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the football players or basketball players of Hawkins. I've never seen a t- town rally behind a basketball team more than Hoosiers in my life. It must be a Midwest thing. But you had those two storylines. Then you had... The California kids storylines, you had the Alaska storyline, you had the Russia storyline, you had 11 Paul Reiser and Papa storyline, you had Victor Creel's storyline, which if I'm not mistaken, Victor Creel is Absorbing Man in the Marvel world, right? It's already an existing character name? I think so. Or something similar. I know Creel is a comic book name. Uh, but you had like six or seven, and not to mention Vecna's storylines. So you had a, a ton of storylines. And with the wrong creative team, that could get convoluted so quickly. And with this one, you know, obviously it's the Duffer brothers, but they bring in Sean Levy to work on some stuff and some other directors. And everybody played their part so well. And the writing was so good. And the storytelling was so good the sets were great like this was like i love stranger things you know that we've talked about it you love stranger things but this really raised the bar for stranger things being quite possibly the best thing to ever come from netflix i don't really think that's an argument like i mean for some people it is what else is there i like i know they put out some decent stuff but the witcher is great October Faction, I mean, love a lot of people love that. The Umbrella, it, uh, the, um, the Umbrella Academy, this hustle movie that came out today. You know, there's a lot of stuff yeah, on there. Yeah, but none yeah. of it is genre defying. This is yeah, I, this is really good. Like it's yeah, this is great. You know, pop culture to the max. You know what I mean? Like this is so submersed into like our current pop culture like every if you don't know if you haven't watched stranger things you know what it is you know what yeah. i mean like if you go to someone like oh the witcher and they're like what's that yeah and i mean they really just bring in everything of the 80s this is a very nostalgic series that it hits us our demographic right but it also potentially could hit our parents demographic or like our older siblings demographic but also for the younger kids like it hits that demographic because the actors are more relatable 
And I think the, like the Duffer brothers and Netflix really have something with that. And it's a shame that there's only, you know, one and two episodes, you know, one season and two episodes left, but it, it's been one hell of a ride. And this season I was glued to it. I, I was like, I can break this down into a couple nights, but I had to finish it. And like going into it, I was like, we're going to get to the end of this seven episode arc and I'm not going to be satisfied because I'm not done with this story and we have two yeah. more episodes. Like I knew it was coming, but like the way that they ended episode seven was crazy. Like it just gave you like, yeah, that's a season finale right there. There were multiple points where it could be season finales. Mm -hmm. Like when Max is getting to the end of, um, the portal between the upside down and the real world that could have been the end of the season you know there were so many different moments and that was that like we episode like four yeah dear billy which was the second ra highest rated episode um which might have been my favorite episode i really i really like that not to mention you know i love the kate bush song and the fact that they mm -hmm. they revived it is one of those things that's been on like my like my gym mix for years <laughs> like i love it. it i think it was like a myspace song at one point um but in general like what storylines did you like the best like what was your favorite one honestly i think you know being homegrown in hawkins the yeah you know it just really showed like dustin is a genius um yeah he's wearing his thinking cap and I really love him. I, I love Steve. I, I think that whole storyline, how they were kind of like hunting down um, Vecna and trying to get a gate, I thought was uh, pretty awesome. Like all the other storylines were great, but like to me, if I had to pinpoint one like right there, because it's, you know, this, this season is the first time we left really Hawkins. Besides, yeah. you know, Eleven going to whatever city she was in uh, in season two. But, like, it just felt a little more real with them being in Hawkins. Kind of, not like Scooby-Doo-esque, but like going on a mystery hunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I think those kids worked well together. Uh, Eddie was great. Not at all what I expected when I first met him. Yeah, you know, I didn't think I was going to like Eddie as much as I do. And tell me if I'm wrong, but he kind of looks like a cross between Robert Downey Jr. and Brendan Fraser in the 90s. I can see that. And he's a British dude. Yeah, he With, like, looks short blonde nothing. Hair. Look, yeah, looks nothing like his character. No. Um, the only person who kind of looks like a celebrity is Maya Hawk, who is like she resembles her parents perfectly. Yeah. There's moments when I'm like, oh, that's Ethan Hawke. And I'm like, oh, that's Uma Thurman. Like, she definitely, like, she, you know, there's MVPs this season. But, like, her, Sadie Sink, who I was high on from her debut, and Brett Gelman were fantastic in, in, this, yeah. uh, in this series. You know, where her, when they were into the mental, mental hospital, and she kind of just went on a tangent. Remember, I talked about that last week, or, or this week, because... Who would have thought two episodes in a week? This was that Princess Leia on Frex Loader moment. Like that's the the point that I was that I was referencing. But back to the storylines. Um, I agree with you. I think the, the Hawkins storyline is the best, mainly because it's not just one storyline. Like it fragmented into so many different storylines. You had the Nancy and um, Robin storyline. You have the Steve Dust Dustin and uh, Max storyline. You got the Lucas and the basketball kids. Then you've got the basketball kids solo storyline. You've got Eddie's storyline. You've got the older kids going into the upside down and the younger kids bringing Erica into the foy. Not to mention the entire town. So the Hawkins storyline is paramount. That's the best one. You don't change that. Um, the California crew was the comic relief. That's like the rescue mission, like trying to get back. They need to get L. Like I like that. There's some what what could happen moments. I think there's some breadcrumbs um, being laid out for some people. Eleven storyline I think was the most important. Oh because yeah. Because you know obviously you know jumping to episode seven, 
number one is Vecna. She created Vecna. Yeah. You know, secondhand, like secondhand creation, but um, Eleven's responsible for the upside down. So her storyline is the most important. And then Russia was future building based on what happened at the end when they let the Demogorgon out and how that's going to play out and what is Russia doing with Demogorgons? Are they going to weaponize them? Like, it's Russia. You know they're going to do something crazy. Um, and always, in everything, Russians, Russia's the villain. In real world right now, Russia's the villain. So it's, it's ne- like, you could say this is the 80s, but then if you took away the the outfits and the soundtrack and put it just into early 2000s, it still feels the same. It, it's crazy. But the Duffer Brothers... A lot of people are saying are being way too ambitious with having so many storylines, and I don't think it it's ambitious. It, no. Well, ambitious is maybe the word, but I don't think it's crazy to have so many storylines. It's already a large universe that they're creating with a lot, lot of moving parts. This is a series where you have to pay attention to it. If you don't pay attention to it or you miss something, you could get lost immediately and be like, all right, I got to circle back to season three. I think what the Duffers do best is give each character or group of characters enough screen time, like I had said. Plus, the characters they brought back and introduced were integral to each story. You, you know what I mean? Like, not to mention like all the character development aside from the core group of children and Hopper and Joyce. Look at Murray's character development. You know, with his karate moments. You know, he <laughs> yeah, was great. He, he was that wild guy in Chicago and who's, you know, super paranoid, big brothers watching him. He ends up becoming a hero, right? And becoming integral to the storyline. And then Robin's evolution, Susie and the circus that she lives in. Max was a core player last season, but Max having, you know, being so distant, but also being so smart and being like so real. Like, I think that she was. She was great. Sadie Sink was amazing in this. Um, And then you have Eddie. So I think what they're doing is great. And what they're doing is telling five or six separate stories that all form one giant book. You had mentioned Game of Thrones, right? We're still waiting on that one character to come back for Daenerys, um, the dude who's in all of Mike Flanagan's stuff. We're still waiting for him. We don't even know where the hell he went. But the books for Game of Thrones are worse than the way that you traverse the series because each chapter is from a character's perspective. So if you start with Ned, you may not see him until episode or book two. Or Arya, you'll see her in like book three. What the, what the Duffer brothers are doing is proving that you can tell a fascinating, in-depth, and entertaining story all while not oversaturating your property. And I think that a lot of creative teams and creators and directors need to look at Stranger Things and upcoming directors need to look at Stranger Things and use the Duffer Brothers and Stranger Things as a point of reference to how to navigate an ensemble cast, especially with children. Oh, yeah. That should be that should be the template. Like they should write like a book on how they did that. But, you know, I don't, that's just me. But do you think that the Duffers were being too ambitious with having so many storylines? No, because it worked. Like, maybe if it didn't work, it could be like, oh, you know, they went too far. Um, and, like, ambitious doesn't mean it's bad. Ambitious just means, you know, it was, it was bold of them, definitely, uh, to venture out as much as they did. Because, like I said, in the first three seasons, you know, they kind of... It was very centralized, and I think it was bold of them, and it was ambitious, but it worked. So we could sit here all you want and say, you know, if it didn't work, like, oh, you know, it was muddled and, you know, this didn't make sense, but it did. So bold and ambitious, yes, but in in the end, they made it work, which not a, I don't think a lot of creative teams could do that today. No, not at all. I don't think many can. There, I mean, there's a couple parts that, like I said, like the the Susie stuff was kind of odd, but 
integral to the storyline. That was like your comic relief. That reminded me of like the old eighties, like cheaper by the dozens and like, you know, three ninjas and like all the summer camp movies where all the kids are going wild. Right. It kind of reminded me of like Adam's family values where like all the kids, like imagine that just being a camp. It remind, it reminded me of, uh, what was it? House arrest. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely uh, did. But the other part that kind of like, I know why it's in there, but it's kind of stupid. Is that government official torturing the other guy? Like, just put him in the box with the heat lamps on to find where Eleven is. I know why it's there, but I was like, we're spending way too much time with this. Yeah. Like, torture him once, and then he cracks. Like, that's like, that would be where I would go. And, like, even, like, when they order pizza and, like, the doorbell rings, and then it turns into John Wick... I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, they, the Duffer Brothers are, are writing, like, fantasy, sci-fi, drama, horror, action. Like, they're checking off all of the boxes for comedy. their next project. They, they oh, yeah, comedy. Some... Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They're checking off. This is their resume. They're saying, you know, you want to see what we got? We got one big project, finish Stranger Things. But look the... at the layers of this onion that we have. The one thing I got to say, though, and we do say this with a lot of episodes or shows, there was no throwaway episodes. No, like, not one. There was, you know, like you said, maybe a couple throwaway scenes. Like They went a little extra, but like it, I, we, I've never once in this season go, yeah, that was not needed. Like, right. And every, that every ju- episode is important. And that just shows how much story they were telling and – you know, we talked about this off air a while ago when we were talking about the um, the episode count and how many, uh, how long it was. Like normally they're about forty five to fifty minutes, um, and these were averaging about an hour fifteen. Yeah. So, and the fact there was no throwaway episodes or really no throwaway time, like they told a lot of story. They really did, and at some point I was like, "What episode am I on?" and I looked at it, and I'm like, I'm still in episode two. I feel like I've been watching this all, you know, for seven hours. But I was glued to the screen. And I'm not yeah. saying, like, I was bored of it. I was glued to the screen. I wasn't on my phone. You know, I was switching positions, like, on my stomach, on my back, on my side, like, sitting on the floor, sitting on, you know, sitting on upright at the bed, just trying to figure out, like, I'm piecing everything together. Um, because we get a lot of, like, again, breadcrumbs, Easter eggs are being left, but... One of the big things and big stories was the creation of Vecna and the Upside Down. Mm-hmm. And I truly love the story building for it. Although, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound pompous, but I figured it out pretty quickly once they showed that orderly and how much screen time he had. I looked at Chelsea and I saw this dude. I was like, he's getting his 15 minutes of fame right here in this scene, right? And then he kept popping up. And then I'm like, all right, that's number one. And she's like, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, no, that's number one. And she's like, all right, we'll see. And then he said, you know, the number one story is for another time has a tragic ending. And I was like, that's number one. And then I was like, as like I kept seeing this guy's face and they kept flashing back to the Creels, I'm like, that's Victor, that's Freddy Krueger's son. And he's Vecna. And she's like, no, no, he's not. And then it happened. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah. I, I wrote this episode. I wrote this season. Um, they left, I felt like they left a lot of breadcrumbs for that. And I followed them. If you follow breadcrumbs like I do, you know, you wouldn't have been too surprised when that happens. But I also like that they spent time with the Creole family and explaining the thought of the demon possessing it when it is actually number one in his powers. Like, I thought that that was really cool. What did you think of, like, the thoughts of, like, Vecna and the creation of the Upside Down and, and that whole storyline? I thought it was great. Um... Like you, I called him as number one. I didn't call him as Vecna. Um, but not until, like, right before they showed him. Like, when they were fighting and then the Upside Down started open, I was like, oh, he's Vecna. Yeah. Um, His eyes started changing colors the more and yeah. more he interacted with Eleven. And they started turning blue. And, like, once they went from – and, like, maybe I was just hallucinating. It was a long day. But I felt like once – he was really like sitting down there and she started getting her powers back. His eyes were start turning more blue. And I was like, 
that is Vecna. Like, this is the creation of Vecna. Like, we're talking, and Chelsea was like, you know, how could it be the creation of Vecna when he's, when he's that young, but Vecna looks that old, and Eleven's this young, and Vecna started in 59, and I was like, this is a flashback to the early to mid-70s, or late-70s, and he would have been, that if that's Victor Krill's kid, he would have been that old if he was hospitalized for that long. So it made total yeah. sense. And I think that's where I talked to a lot of people, and I think that point is where it confused a lot of people because they shaved Millie Bobby Brown's head, and they flash back to like that big head on a little body, and then a little body, and then a big body, and the fact that they never mentioned number one. There was always number two. And he came up, and he was shitty. I mean, he that character was perfect for number two because he was a piece of shit. <laughs> I I thought that whole storyline was fantastic, and then the fact that she shoves him through the portal and like the upside down opens, beautiful. It was a chef's kiss. Yeah, it was. Um, it was great. Like as soon as he popped up, like I've seen him around. He's he's. He's been around. He was uh, in a show I watched about King Arthur. I know he was in the Twilight movies. Um, yeah, so, he was like, one of the Volteri. Yeah. Um, I recognized him. And I was like, all right. And then when he just – he was called the Orderly. And I'm like, he's got to have a bigger part than this. Not that he's a big name. But, like, I'm like, okay, I recognize him. He's going to be a little bigger than we think. And they just showed – because at first they made you think that in the beginning of the season that L killed all those people. Yeah. Um, and Great then I was twist. Like, yeah, I was like, whoa, like, you know, she went crazy and she killed all those people and she's a killer and all this, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, even when um, Paul Reiser and Matthew Modine's character, they were like, she needs to see it. She needs – and I'm like, okay, okay, like, even then they were saying – to me, it was like, okay, she killed the people. She needs to realize what she did. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. And then, like, the end when he just went off and killed yeah, everybody. Start snapping kids' necks. I was like, oh. The one thing, and I talked to you this off air, um, that I don't know if it was retconned or what, but, like, in season two, when she found her quote-unquote sister – she wasn't there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of what I was telling you about, uh, talking about it with you as well. You know how many kids probably came and went throughout that time, you know what I mean? So I and, guess they just had multiple numbers. Yeah, like you got 13 rooms, you only keep 13 kids. And yeah. everybody else comes up, but they never repeat number one or 11 because obviously they were the only two that were left. Yeah, so I don't – I was like – I thought that was a little weird. Um, but – because after season two, they never talked about it again. No, never. Um, um, I mean, that was at Chicago, right, or L.A.? Um, well, no, we know it wasn't L.A. because – I think it was Chicago. Was, Eleven was struggling in L.A. and smashed that little chick with the – Oh, I was uh, with so that happy. sassy attitude. Yeah. I mean, kids are terrible. You know, that – I don't want to say it, but that girl deserved to get smashed in the face with a with a skate. Well, and that's the thing, like Millie Bobby Brown was saying, was like she, they, you know, someone asked her, like, did you have any input? And she's like, yeah. She goes, I wanted to show the side of bullying. And, you know, it's not right. And I wanted to show that Elle, you know, what she went through. And, um, you know, she got picked on. And, you know, she's this girl who really – kind of just started her life four years ago yeah and she's still learning and she's still you know she's learning to be a human really um and then yeah, and thrust I... her into the world of you know valley girl california yep i love that the kids like will and mike were calling her l and not one other person picked up that they were calling her something other than jane like yeah. l isn't a nickname for jane but I mean, that's just like me, a little, little nitpicking. Um, did you have a favorite part of this? Like, what was your favorite part? Uh, I tough one. I, right? I loved it. There was so much. I loved it all. Um, I get just uh, Dustin. 
being a genius. Like him finding like it just each season shows how smart he is. But this one really ramped it up when he like found the gate and yeah, he and the, realized the light bright. Yeah. Like that, but like when he found when he realized that the gate like each um killing that Vecna did was opened a portal. The gate. Yeah. And you know, he like when they went to that kissing rock or whatever it was called and him and Steve are arguing, he goes, I know I'm right. And that's when he realized, like, no, you know, the uh, electromagnetic field is pulling something like there's something around and just him. Like, I love Dustin. I always have. um, But just really his and I want to say growth because he kind of just showed since the beginning how smart he is. But he's just going into overdrive. And like you said, with the, the light bright. Yeah, he really. He flexes his brain and his comedy chops every episode uh, and every time he's on screen. He was the first person cast in the series. Yeah. Uh, Gay Maserato. Uh, shout out to him uh, from New Jersey, which is fantastic. Right down the street from us. Um, I had a few favorite parts. Um, I really liked the Demogorgon fight pit scenes uh, just for the thought of the ramifications. You know, I liked the whole Russia stuff. I find it a little impossible that they could crash a plane in siberia and walk to a prison but no walk to you know a stash house but it's stranger things so there's you know an alternate dimension where dungeons and dragons uh villains are the villains of the show so i get it um the murray fight scene was absolutely hilarious and his <laughs> whole speech through everything my hands are knives my legs are like thunder or whatever i thought that that was really cool um i think my favorite part was when Vecna has Max and the team found a way to save her through music. Yeah. And they went back to the house and they were like, you know, what song was playing? There was a song playing. Victor Creel was singing a song and it happened to be Kate Bush running up a hill, deal with God. Um, and I'm very happy with that. Um, and again, I'm going to say it, Max, Sadie Sink, MVP of the season. She was the best character of the season, in my opinion. Um, everybody else was great. Not you know, Joe Curie crushed it as um as Steve. Nancy's great, everybody was great. Argyle is my spirit animal. But I think Max was amazing. Like every scene that she was in, she absolutely delivered. And her acting was on point. Like whether she is just growing as an actress on her own or taking acting classes, um, she was on point. The Robin speech that I re- uh, sort of referenced in the Obi Wan episode was also really good. Um so much there there was so much that was really good did anything catch you by surprise i mean i guess the vecna stuff um of course i mean i I think that caught everybody on by surprise but nothing i again i'm surprised that i liked eddie as much as i did um you actually felt bad for him yeah uh in the end because when he first came up, I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate this guy. Like, he's this metalhead, and, like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just not going to like him. And he, I wouldn't say he's one of my favorite characters, but he became very likable at the end. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he was he was great. I think the only thing that caught me by surprise was who was left in the Upside Down at the end. Um, I felt that they were setting it up for Steve being left. But when Nancy was taken, I was kind of surprised. But honestly, I forgot about Barb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody's got their, you know, their their demons, so to speak, right? And their whole points. And I forgot that Nancy had a demon with Barb. So I thought that that was uh, a little surprising. Um, I really liked the possession of the kids and the way like Vecna killed them. I thought that that was cool. There's a theory online. Um, and I noticed it while I was watching the, sh- the show that the guidance counselor's uh, necklace has a clock on it. And people are thinking she might be a conduit because she was the one who was seeing all of these uh, kids who were being uh, killed. I think that that's reaching a little bit, but it's also a pretty cool little theory. But the only thing I think that kind of stuck out was Nancy being left there because um, this is really – setting it up for what I think could be a uh, 
potentially sad last two episodes or last season. So let's kind of future build here for a second. I've got some stuff and I want to um, hear where you're at um, with the last two and what we're expecting. Um, I know you haven't seen the second part of the trailer, so this may be a little bit of spoilers, but I want to know what the Russians are doing with the Demogorgons and if they're either growing them or weaponizing them. They clearly have one super strong aggressive one. And in the trailers, you see that there's some more. Um, I have a feeling, and this may be stretching, and you know, I've talked to people about this and they're like, you're absolutely wrong, but I have a feeling that one, if not two people are going to die from the core group of the Hawkins people. Oh, I, I agree with that. And we talked about it all fair. Like, yeah. So, well, this one, God, one, Sean Levy came out and said that the last two episodes is an emotional ride and will punch you in the heart. Yeah. So this is what I think is going to happen. And with the Kate Bush song, it was played a lot once we realized that music was the, the key to getting out of the grips of Vecna, right? Uh, but there's lyrics that say, and if only I could, I'd make a deal with a god or make a deal with God and get him to swap our places. Um, Vecna considers himself a god of the underworld. Uh, well, the upside down at this point, right? So I see several people sacrificing themselves for the ones that they love. Uh, the first part of this season was predicated on friendships and relationships and rebuilding them. Um, so I feel like Nancy's got couple people are willing to die for but overall i don't think jonathan argyle mike and will make it to hawkins in time for the end of the season like the you know the vecna fight until the very very end and i see steve sacrificing himself for nancy i see that i don't want it to happen because i love steve um but i definitely can see that happening yeah, another one is, and this one could be vice versa, Lucas for Max, or Max for Lucas. Max has already said her life is shitty, it can't get worse. I could see her sacrificing herself for Lucas because he you know, was on the up and up. But I can also see Lucas saying, like, listen, I was here for you. Like, you know, Caleb was great in this. He was emotional. He wanted Max back. Like their dialogue together was great. I could see him really sacrificing well, himself he for said, Max. He said there were. He's like you matter. Yeah. He was like you know. He's like I'm there for you. Like I will be there for you. And that, again, that makes sense if he did do that. Yeah. He's like you were a ghost. Yeah. And I can see Max being like, I want to be seen, and she jumps in front of whatever, and Vecna takes her, um, and then finally. This could be, you know, this is maybe reaching. Um, but I can see Will doing it for Mike. I think Will is in love with Mike. And I think that artwork has something to do with it. I know, like, everybody in the whole show, even the Duffers, forgot that when Mike arrived to California, it was Will's birthday. They never even mentioned it. I thought that that was weird. Um, but I could see Will sacrificing himself for Mike. Yeah, I mean, out of everyone, I would be least upset about Will. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, Will is kind of just a tag-along character, unfortunately, mm -hmm. because I think Noah Schnapp is really great. But I think at this point, it was just, it's really tough for, for him to have any more of a compelling storyline other than the kid who was possessed to, the first kid to be possessed uh in hawkins not even the first kid because it was victor creel's kid so he's just the first one in the 80s to be possessed um but i could see it being will sacrificing himself for mike or mike doing it for 11 to prove his love to her what uh are you expecting in the last two episodes if anything other than what i said i mean like you said i expect people to die um maybe not two, at least one um, but by the end of the series, I see two or three dying. Yeah, um, I see Eleven dying, and I see Hopper dying. I think Eleven's inevitable. Yeah. Um, 
feel like she has Even to though, die for the for the upside down to die. Yeah, uh, because she virtually created it, and uh, you know, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe the she's one, the god you need to make a deal with. Yeah, maybe the one way to shut it down is for her to go there permanently. Yeah, um, go there permanently and shut it down from the inside. Yeah, uh, I think it's inevitable um, because they know, like you know, season five's done. So yeah. I'm. I don't think she's dying this season in the last two parts, but I definitely see her dying at the end of five. Season yeah. Five. Do you think, do you think Hopper dies at any point in the season? Cause he's kind of went on this like emotional roller coaster in Russia. And like, I could see him jumping in front of a Demogorgon to, for Joyce to get out of there. I, I could see him dying. Um, and maybe that's one of the reasons why L does sacrifice herself because um you know she loves him and in the beginning season like that was her hero it's her dad yeah she made Uh, a model of him so i could see him dying oh there's so much sadness to come (laughs) and i don't i don't want to see any more sadness and but and the last two episodes are like what over two hours long yeah, I think one's over, like one's like an hour and 38 or 45 minutes. The other one's like two and a half hours, which is wild. Uh, I know Sean Levy came out and was like, they're longer than the last three movies that I made, which is phenomenal. And brings me to our closing points. And that goes to the directors and the creators. Um, last week, this week, whenever you listen to it in our Obi-Wan episode, I suggested the Duffers take over Something is Killing the Children. I also said that Sean Levy could do it. I prefer him to do it because I don't want the Duffers to be pegged as a one-trick pony. There's two things that I'd like to see, three things that I'd like to see the Duffers take over besides the entire DC universe instead of Todd Phillips. Um, the first one being Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. I think they would crush it with Ghost Rider or the Midnight Suns. The second one is a property that DC is get growing very frustrated with the person in charge, and that is Justice League Dark. I would love to see what they could do with that. And the third one is something that you mentioned, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I'd like to see them do like a more, not adult version, but like a grittier version of Scooby-Doo, not campy. I'd like not, to see what they could do. Not the one that came out a few years ago where like, he, uh, what was his name? Um, Shaggy was all tattooed up. No, oh well, that's the apocalypse. If if they're yeah. doing that straight out of DC Comics, then yeah, I'm here for it. That comic was fire. But I'm talking like just like a series of Scooby Doo episodes, Monster of the Week, and just letting the Duffers do their thing. I think they would absolutely crush it and be able to revitalize Scooby Doo. But. I'm curious to see where their future is for sure. Um, it's got, you know, you would think Marvel and DC and Sony are probably recruiting them for something like behind the doors. Like, listen, when this is done, like you're riding with us or star Wars, like see what they could do with a star Wars series. Um, they need a big property, like a big IP. Stranger things is a huge IP now, but it wasn't a big IP when it came out in 2016 they need to work on a huge franchise, I think, but not to prove their worth, but to you know get a little more clout amongst people. But that's it, man. Um, overall, or oh, well, we got one more segment. Winona Riders top three. Yeah, I think we might have the same three, but I'm curious to see. We might uh, have the we, same three. So I'll you went first last week. I'll go first this week. Um, yeah. My number three is Girl Interrupted. Mm-hmm. Because, one, that movie's fantastic. Two, that's the field that I've spent the last 20 years studying. Um, And I think it's a very good interpretation of um, the mental health facilities. Uh, Second one is Edward Scissorhands. And the first one is Beetlejuice. Exact. I knew it. You know, they're classics. Um, I looked at, you know, David Harbour's and I was like, yikes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're you're good in extraction for when you were in there. I can't put you down for Hellboy. Black Widow was great. I mean, I'd go 
for David Arbor, Stranger Things, Black Widow, and Extraction off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, he was in, what, Suicide Squad for a cup of coffee. Yeah, I don't want that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go Millie Bobby Brown, you can go your favorite uh, God Delivers King Kong. No, I'd go Enola Holmes. Yeah, she was great in that. And that's getting a sequel, so. Um, yeah, I mean, they're working on it right now. I think it's done. I think it's coming out soon. Cool. Well, we'll talk about it here, but that's it, man. We're going to get out of here next week. Very important episode because we are going to share our thoughts on the first episode of Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And we're going to break down Jurassic Park Dominion. You have your tickets or Jurassic World Dominion. You yes. have your tickets. I have my tickets. I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see the end of a franchise that raised me. I hope for more pterodactyls. God, I hope for more pterodactyls. Um, and, you know, if you've seen the trailer and you know anything that I've talked about before about my love for dinosaurs, I love that they're including feathers on the new species because yeah. it's so scientific. Uh, it's almost scientifically accurate. So I'm here for it. But that's it. Um, you can follow us on social media. You can follow the network, follow all the shows, follow Chuck. Um, at some point, I'm going to be releasing a gym class episode. I know I keep teasing it, but it's coming. Um, yeah, watch Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. Go see Jurassic World Dominion. Get pumped for Stranger Things. Share your theories with us on social media because we really want to hear it. Or text us if you're our friends and you're listening. But that's it. We'll be back next week unless the Vecna curses us. But that's it for the Active Geek Podcast. I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.